2: Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
0: Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmsports.ca
2: we return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.
0: Welcome back, everybody. It's 1233 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer live at the Hall of Fame room at Rogers Place in Ice District. This is Oilers Now. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Digitex is a local Alberta company that supports local business and charities. Digitex is 630 Ched's copy. Team, We will tell you uh, that there's lots of different ways to contact us. We've just wrapped up the Peter Shirelli availability, the Oilers President, General Manager of Hockey Operations. Things still under review regarding the coaches. Reed Wilkins is going to pop in here with me in 43 seconds time to get his thoughts. Uh, here's how you can reach us. Our River Creek Resort Casino hotline is 780-496-0063. Larry, the cable guy. April 14th at the River Cree. Vince Neal, April 21st. George Thurgood and the Destroyers, May 7th. Tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. You can email us at ordersnow at 630chat.com. You can text us at 630-630 for Westlock Ford. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson. Out at Westlock Ford, it's worth your drive to get your new ride. Check out their great selection today at westlockford.com. I'm on Twitter, Bob underscore the show Twitter account is at Oilers Now. My personal, Brendan's personal handle is at Brendan Ulrich. Reed Wilkins Twitter account again, Reed? At Reed Wilkins. Okay. And uh, we will tell you every Tuesday at Oilers Now we have Mark Specter, Stoffer Inspector for Horse Racing Alberta Live Racing Northlands Park, May 5th. Uh, yesterday, as we wrapped up the conclusion of. Uh, Oilers now. Uh, I mentioned we had Reed Wilkins and Jack Michaels in studio doing our playoff picks and prognostications. And I said, Well, the next time we'll see you guys, we'll get a puff of smoke and that's when we'll know when we're going. And we, I was specifically referring to the fact that there'd be a signal that that's when we're going to do the Shirelli availability. Uh, we've done the Shirelli availability. Uh, Reed, uh, I'm going to start with you since you're here. What if anything, maybe surprised you or what sort of reoccurring themes did you glean out of Peter's appearance today?
1: Well, here are some things that stuck out for me. He was asked about the coaching staff as Todd McClellan was asked about the rest of his coaching staff on Monday. And neither man committed to people returning in their current positions. Now, obviously, when Peter speaks, that also includes head coach Todd McClellan. So both said it's a, a period of evaluation and the coaches are being looked at. You know, Peter said, I'm doing the evaluation for the coaches as we expected. Uh, given what was said and how not evasive but I mean there was there was nothing committal there I, I'd be surprised if the whole coaching staff was back next year and I mean it has been several years with this staff together and sometimes even teams that are, are have successful seasons make changes so that was sort of confirmed for me I think is something we can expect from what Shirelli said today he talked about the speed of the team that's obviously been brought up a lot he 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 reiterated what Todd says, that they often didn't play fast enough, they weren't supportive enough, fair enough, he said said, we don't necessarily need to get faster players I, I, I would agree that yes, they didn't play fast enough, they didn't play with enough detail and support and organization, but I do think they need a couple of faster players now the catch is They need faster players who have another significant skill set besides their speed. Pontus Aberg is a fast player. I didn't see him do much else, though, than skate. So that's that's the challenge.
0: Pontus is going to need a fresh start this year. He undermined his own success uh, when we were on the uh, the road trip down to Florida. Uh, One thing Peter did say is we scored enough goals this year. And uh, just to put things in perspective, last season on route to going 47-26-9, the Edmonton Oilers scored 247 goals. They finished 8th in the league in goals for Now scoring went up. This year across the league, mainly because of power plays. Uh, there were uh, the Oilers last year had their best power play since 1985-86 uh, at. That finished fifth in the league. They were second from December 1st on. The Oilers this year scored 234 goals, 13 fewer goals. But of note, last season, Edmonton had 56 goals in the power play. This year, only 31. So there's a 25-goal difference. In other words, the Oilers actually scored more even-strength goals this past season. And part of it was Connor McDavid's second half of the year, Mm -hmm. where he went supersonic gin and tonic down the stretch. So... I mean, it's it, it's an interesting scenario. When you look at the splits for the team, 47, 26 and 9 last year, obviously 36, 40 and 6 this year, not acceptable. Um, against the West, the Oilers finished 23, 23 and 4. Last year, Edmonton had the best record against the West at 33, 11 and 6. The Oilers had the best record against the Pacific last year, 26 and 3. The Oilers finished 16-11-2 against the Pacific this year. One of the things uh, Shirelli said when he took over the job was, we got to find a way to win in the Pacific. Clearly the game is changing. Defensively, the Oilers got crushed, and that's why I brought up the goaltending question to both Todd and to Peter. Uh, The team gave up 51 more goals against this year. And obviously, uh, despite a surge late in the regular season, that saw Edmonton move from 31st to, 70, uh, to 25th at 76.7. Penalty killing was not good enough all year. Okay, but
1: he, I think defensively the key thing Shirelli hit on was they didn't transition the puck out of their own yep. end well enough. And they did not break the puck out as smoothly as they did last season. And we saw that all year, whether it was passing to a support winger or a support defenseman coming out of the blue line uh-huh. through the neutral zone. That pass wasn't there or wasn't made as often specifically when I asked about Lucic he said you know Lucic didn't pass the puck well enough he actually uh, people are probably going to are going to take issue with this he thought Lucic skated well enough but didn't finish and execute passes well enough and that's the one thing where she really I mean he sort of deflected about saying that they didn't have deep enough wingers when he said we scored enough and that some of the wingers came on end of the season okay I, I think we can debate that but he did take responsibility for not mitigating against Sekra's absence for the first four games of the season. To me,
0: that was the biggest bullet he took today. Well, a couple things. Uh, Number one, you have a scenario where last year, Oscar bombed 12 goals, 38 points finished with five goals and and 21 points this year. Sekra last year, eight goals, 35 points this past season. He had eight assists in 36 games. Uh, Andre Sekra, for me, is a question mark moving forward. I I really believe that. I want to believe that Sekra could come back. I guess you got to give the guy the benefit of the the doubt, but as it stands right now, in their current configuration, the Oilers have four lefties, two righties. The right shot Puck moving defenseman. That's one way to improve your transition game. Is right. if you have a guy that can do that. Uh, for me, they got they got to go get another goalie. And the reason why they got to go get another goalie is to truly gauge. Like I, I believe that Talbot was basically playing the second half of the season. Tweet. Okay, with a minor injury, and it's the type of thing that if he's only starting 55 games instead of 65 plus. That's that's a difference because it gives a guy like that a little bit uh, more time, and, and that's I think part of the reason why Peter responded. We got to give Cam a fair shot moving forward for a potential contract negotiation. So uh, there's you know the coaching thing. I mean, at this stage of the game, you know, even good teams change out their assistant coaches. They, well, they've had the same coaching staff for three years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, You have a coach within a window with another organization. That's Ian Herbers, right? He has a – I know this from my days working at the university. Rob Dom got a three-year leave. I'm going to assume that Ian got a three-year leave, okay? He's got a chance to go back there, uh, and, and he's, you know, probably in a scenario where he would need a contract extension moving forward. Mike Babcock, Craig Simpson brought this up, 12 assistant coaches. In the 10 years that he coached that team, that team made the playoffs every year. So you get a little bit different dynamic there. So I'm from the school, Reed, where I believe the Oilers stay the course with Shirelli. And McClellan, I believe that's the right course of action. Would it surprise me in the least if they change systems? No, because even winning organizations traditionally have done that. Uh, and the, to the media's credit, they asked that question two different ways. And I mean, you know, I was going to ask the question right away, and Maddie, you know, I think Maddie was the one that asked it just before me. So, anyhow, bottom line, uh, anything else that sort of caught well, me?
1: well, just like you said, they're not going to rip the team apart. I, I mean, it doesn't appear Ryan Nugent-Hopkins is is going anywhere. I think that's going to make a lot of people happy. Uh, if they pick nine through twelve, well, put it this way, I don't think they'll pick nine through twelve. <laughs> I mean, it, to me, it seems he would definitely uh, put that. No, the top three is different because you could get a really pl- good player there if you get the five percent. If you get
0: a top three player, you're getting you, a plug. You're probably hanging you're, you're getting a plug and play player, right? But so, I, I would think if
1: they're picking nine through twelve, that that that's traded. They don't make that pick. Okay. Well, there you go. There you have like... it.
0: All right, here's what we're going to do. You can text us at 630-630. We're going to get to some texts. It's 1242 at Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you. And uh, we'll get to some of your thoughts uh, when we return. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. Proamsports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a program, Pro Sports certificate of authenticity and hologram—you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at ProAmSports.ca. That's ProAmSports.ca.
2: This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 6:30
0: Shed. Stop her down in the Hall of Fame room at Rogers Place in Ice District. This is Oilers Now. We've just wrapped up the Peter Shirelli end of the uh, season availability, which has come far too early for everybody involved. Some guests in Oilers Now receive certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Reminder that every Wednesday night's date night at Roos Chris, where two can dine for $120. And if you're looking for a fun destination this year, take the kids to Disneyland. It's the happiest place on earth. Fabulous fun. Great food and warm weather. Book now with New West Travel. Your Disneyland California package includes nonstop airfare, four-star hotel for seven nights, five-day attractions pass. For reservations to Disneyland, call the travel experts at New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or book online at newwesttravel.com. Brendan Ulrich's back of the studio. Brendan, uh, give me me a synopsis of your thoughts about what we heard today out of uh, Peter Shirelli. Well, not really
2: surprised, Bob. I think uh, we all expected him to say, uh, you know, things are still under evaluation. I think uh, the organization needs to dig deep here, look at a lot of things before they decide on anything, and uh, they don't, they they can't make a mistake, right? So, I think that's uh, the most important thing here moving forward. Uh, a lot of it was what you ex- you expected from Shirelli, A little surprised about some of the thoughts on Lucic saying he thought he skated well and that the team's fast enough. I still think they need to get faster, Bob. You look at teams in the playoffs right now, like Colorado, like Nashville, like Winnipeg, like New Jersey. Those are teams that can fly, and they're only getting quicker. So, like, the league is still going to get faster. I think the Oilers are a step behind. They need to accelerate that moving forward. All right, you can text us at
0: 630-630.
2: We... I'm not talking about McDavid. I'm talking about the rest of the team, obviously.
0: We have literally hundreds of texts coming in. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you to uh, bang off a couple couple texts here from your end. So if you can pull that up, and uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a break here for about a minute, Brendan. So if you can uh, pull up our text line at 630, 630, uh, then we're going to let Gene Principe finish a hit.
2: Uh, Mike says, I heard no mentions of Clef Bomb. Do you think he returns? Uh, I know Bob can't answer that right now. I would assume... They would like to keep Clefbaum, but McFarlane also talked about, uh, or not McFarlane, Charlie also talked about wanting the lefty-righty pair situation to be even next season, and uh, they talked about wanting to get maybe a right-shot puck-moving defenseman as well. One of the assets, of course, would be uh, the first round pick, but another trade asset could be Cloughbomb. Uh To me, I'd be very weary of trading Cloughbomb, uh based on his struggles this season because I think uh, he'll get back to what he did uh, the previous season, and uh, you're likely trading him uh, based on this past season a little bit, Then you're not really selling for a full dollar in that situation. So I'd be very hesitant and... Uh, uh, I don't know. Sekera, I guess, is another option that they can move from that left side to get a right right shot defenseman. I'm not sure if you're back, Bob, yet uh, with any thoughts there on Klefbom.
0: Yeah, I have two different perspectives on this. Uh, all right, two different perspectives on this. One of the perspectives is that uh, when we're talking Klefbom versus Sakura, we're talking two different ser- scenarios as far as I'm concerned. I mean... In Clef Bomb, if you do potentially feel you need to acquire right-side puck-moving D-man, uh, could you do that for Clef Bomb? I, I'm going to tell you right now, I know of two teams that would, my belief is, would move skilled offensive defensemen probably for Clef Bomb. The question is, I don't think that... I mean, last year, Clefbaum had 12 goals and 38 points. Uh, the two teams I'm thinking of are Carolina and Colorado. I believe I, Justin Falk is a distinct possibility to get traded out of Carolina. I don't know how much interest Edmonton would have in him. Uh, he had a poor year this year. He looked heavy. Uh, struggled defensively. He's been. A, I think he's about minus 55 over the course of the last three seasons. But he only had a 3% shooting percentage. In a normal year, uh, Justin Falk is probably a 13 to 15 goal scorer and a 35 to 40 point D man and a right shot. Uh, if you have Adam Larson as one right shot guy, as a defensive shutdown guy, and then you had Falk, could you succeed? See you, guys. See you, Gene. Have a great spring. Yep. See you later. Yeah, well, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Anyways, regarding Justin Falk, I mean, at this stage of the game, I think Justin Falk is a player whose valuation has gone down considerably. Uh, I, I don't think I would trade Oscar Clefbaum for Justin Falk, okay? Uh, now, Tyson Berry, Tyson is a $5.5 million cap hit. He's not as good defensively as uh, Oscar Clefbaum, but... He is certainly a, a notch above him offensively. He can really move it. He can drive a power play. There's no question about that. You're having a different conversation, but you're taking on $1.3 million. The Avalanche, despite uh, having an ownership group that's from one of the richest American families, uh, they, are, they are an organization that has run a little bit tight. They're going to have to open up the uh, vault a bit to re-sign a guy like Miko Ratnan, who's just had an 80-point season there. Could I see them potentially wanting to buy down the team a little bit? Yes. By all reports, Cale McCarr is going to return for another year in school. Uh, they do have Eric Johnson, who I think is one of the most underrated right-shot defensemen in the league. I could see them having an appetite for cleft bomb. I don't know whether or not the Oilers would do cleft bomb for Tyson Berry. Not sure about that. And again, Edmonton would be taking on $1.3 million In a cap hit. Clefbaum's got a pretty good contract. And the other thing is, Clefbaum's a very popular player. The Ryan Nugent Hopkins comment I mean, I think that relieves a lot of people, but it doesn't surprise any of us that have been around this team over the last few years. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is an immensely popular teammate. He is a selfless player. That is an important thing. Um, You heard Jack say yesterday he still thinks Nugent's got the potential to be a top 10 player in the NHL. I don't know if I necessarily think top 10. I mean, I do think that on another team, he could be their best forward. Uh, on a team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisiedel, he's not going to be the best offensive player on the team. But I, I could see Nugent Hopkins in a full year. If he played a full season with Connor McDavid, I could see Ryan Nugent Hopkins being a 30 to 35 goal scorer and a 70 to 75 point player. Who would disagree with that? Maybe he finishes top
2: 10 in a full year with in terms of points. Well, I, don't that's that's, fair, right? I, mean, I don't know nobody, if that means he's a top 10 player in the league.
0: Right. Uh, you know, for me, Ryan, like, we might see the best out of Ryan Nugent Hopkins between the ages of 25 to 30. That said, is could Ryan Nugent Hopkins be a top 25 player in the league? 100%. Because I actually think Drysettle has a higher ceiling at this stage than uh, Nugent Hopkins because of his size, because of his ability to win draws. But at this stage of the game, to me, Nugent Hopkins has been a more consistent defensive player uh, than uh, Drysettle has been. I mean, I don't even... Th- Ryan Nugent-Hopkins has more game to give, absolutely. I don't even think Leon Dreisaitl knows how good he could be yet. The comments on Pogliarvi were interesting because it has been such a, you know, there's there's a certain segment out there that uh, feel that somehow, yes, Pogliarvi has not been you know uh, not been given every every opportunity and there's others that'll say he hasn't earned that opportunity we got to remember he's 19 years of age Uh, it's not like he grew up around the north american game there's been some challenges there i don't think he's looked comfortable playing with either Connor mcdavid or he, he had some moments uh, earlier in the year specifically when the Oilers were in Columbus when he you know McDavid had a four point game and Paul Yarby made some plays in that game and he was going pretty good but in his final 35 games of the year yes, only had three goals um, and I actually think and, and this is why I mentioned Reed when I uh, with Reed uh, yesterday Brendan this is why I mentioned via Twitter the four things that I would look for for the Oilers for me they got to get a guy that can start 25 games a year in goal. Not a guy that can play 10 or 12. They got to get a guy that can play 25 or 30. And so they got to get an upgrade in goal. That is an automatic for me. Uh, in a perfect world, they get a right shot defenseman. There's two ways to get one, I guess. One, you trade a really good left. I, I guess you can move a forward, but. Because you've got six defensemen conceivably under contract, you're either moving out a guy or even potentially buying out a guy, which is back to Secker. Like, if you have to, you look at that as a potential off, uh, you know, uh, option. And Peter Chiarelli, let's not forget what Team Canada did during 2014 at the Olympics. They had straight lefty-righty combinations. And Canada, now you're talking a a country that's probably got the three best, three of the five best right shot defensemen in the entire world on Team Canada. But there is something to be said with that left-right mix. I think Benning can play as a third-pairing right shot D right now. I think Larson can play in your top four as a right shot D. In a perfect world, you get an offensive guy. Right now you have four left shot D. And the problem is between Secker and Russell, they're really probably both at this stage ideally suited as left shot D. So at some point can you somehow turn one of those lefties into a righty. So that's you know, the goalie, the defenseman. Uh, I want I know a lot of people think you just slot Jujar Kara in as a fourth line center. I actually think that they should play Jujar Kera with Ryan Strome and Yesipol Yarve next season. I think that line had success midway through the season when they were playing together and that's why I mentioned that I want a fourth line center that's a right shot guy. That's a good face-off guy. A lot of people think that face-offs don't matter. I'm not buying that. I still think face-offs matter, and I think they affect special teams. And, and you can draw a correlation there. So, uh, And then in terms of dry cycle and I know you've mentioned a name out there, uh, Thomas Vanek. I, I don't think you're the only one. it has been a couple other sportscasters in town that have suggested Thomas Vanek. After the Oilers have a year where they go 36-40-6, and six, I don't think there's too many wrong suggestions. Brendan, you know what I'm saying? So, for what it's worth. <laughs> well, I know Vanek
2: gets a lot of scrutiny, Bob, but would he not have been third on the team in scoring this season? Yeah. Like, um, I, I just think a player like that would have helped. Well, Derek this Ryan. Season. Derek Ryan. Oh would yeah, Derek four- Ryan. There. Would That's have been, another guy. He kidding. would have
0: been fourth on the team in scoring, so that tells you something. Uh, you can text us at six thirty. Six thirty. Uh, Brad says, "Guys, I think Reed is wrong about trading the pick. Guys like McAvoy, Ranton and Dougie Hamilton all came in one year after they were drafted. Evan Bouchard." And Noah Dobson are tracking to be very similar to Hamilton and McAvoy. And Oliver Wallstrom is as good as Rantanen. It'd be insane to trade that pick without uh, a material proven player coming back with a good contract. That one comes to us from Brad. Well, again, if the Oilers win one of the three lottery spots, and I think it works out to about 15%, I don't see Edmonton trading that pick. Uh, I do think if the Oilers go 9 through 12, I, I do think the Oilers contemplate moving that pick. Okay. The fact that they got to get a material established player, 100%. There can't be a question mark. We went down that road before, and that trade, uh, the Reinhardt trade, is probably the toughest trade from this organization's perspective over the last three years. It, say what you want about trading Taylor Hall, and I, and I think Taylor Hall's a hell of a player. Uh, that's a, obviously a tough trade, but they got a real player back in an area that they needed some help. Maybe he doesn't bring the offensive dimension, but I would make a strong argument to you in spite of the fact that Darnell Nurse had a good close to the season or a good start to the season, I'd make a strong argument that as it stands right now, uh, Adam Larson's the most reliable defenseman they've had over the last two years. I mean, he's over, he's plus 31 in the last two seasons. I know, I know, I know. Some of the analytics guys are going to tell me that uh, plus minus does not matter. Bob, on trading the pick,
2: I would not trade the pick. I think uh, Keith Gretzky has a good track record at drafting uh, in that range. You look at Pasternak, Yamamoto. I mean, you give up a player like that. Well, are you saying they
0: should trade down at 22 and 25? Because well, no, he I'm got just Pasternak at 25 and good... he got Yamamoto
2: at 22. Okay, so yeah, trade down a little bit. But I'm, I'm saying in the mid range, he has a pretty good track record. And uh, I think there's some pretty good players in this draft. It depends, I guess, what you're getting, but it's a risky business, Bob. You look at two of the players, uh, or one of the players that's getting set for his first playoff game tonight, Kyle Connor. He was picked 16th when they traded for Reinhardt. And Barzell, of course, was before. So, like, we're, we're talking about players like that and are potentially in that range. But I wouldn't want to move.
0: Zach has texted the show to say, Peter Shirelli said the scoring was adequate. But, Bob, we finished 20th in the league in scoring. How is that? And, again, back to even strength goals. The drop-off for the Oilers occurred on the power play. Scored 56 power play goals last year. This year, they scored 31. I mean, even if the power play had scored 46, like 10 fewer power play goals, then you're getting two or three more empty netters along the way, and it's changing the complexion. So uh, Edmonton uh, last season had 247 goals. This year, they had 234. The Oilers gave up 51 more goals against. So there's got to be – that's why I keep coming back to uh, it starts in goal. they got to get Talbot at a better – uh, place to start the year, and they have to have an option that can spell Talbot more than on just back-to-back games. Okay, and that can give them a little bit of. I, I think Cam Talbot is the number one goalie. Finished fourth in the league last year in Vesna voting. It is. 1258 in Edmonton, Bob Stoffer live in Rogers Place in the Oilers Hall of Fame room. Uh, we've just wrapped up the Peter Shirelli press conference. Former Oilers coach and player, and now the lead analyst for NHL hockey on Rogers, Craig Simpson is coming down the pipe at 105. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell.
2: Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio,
1: 630 Chad.